Father, help us to recognize today just how true those words are. That you are good and you are never going to let us down. We give you thanks in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. Good morning again, everyone. So in 1988, when $50 was $50, I paid $50 to a kid down the street for his used skateboard because I was going to be a skater. I actually did not know how to ride a skateboard. In fact, I could not uh, even stay up on roller skates without going around the wall, but skating looked cool and I needed some cool in my life that year. Besides, in 1988, I was already halfway to the skater haircut with the Stranger Things bowl haircut, so that would be an easy adjustment. (laughs) And uh, my dad would would hate that haircut, which would be a big part of the fun. Now, I was told that the skateboard I was buying was going to need new grip tape. So uh, a grip tape is like a really coarse sandpaper with sticky on one side. You put it on the board, hold your, your feet on the board so you don't slip off. And the, the previous owner of the board had put his grip tape on in a really cool design. So I got out some graph paper and created my own unique grip tape pattern. And I finally settled on a slogan. It was going to be two words that would tell everyone that I was a loner, a rebel. I am I'm not, somebody groaned at my slogan. (laughs) Just because you go to the Graphic Arts Institute doesn't mean you know. All right. (laughs) I am means I'm not this and and I'm not that. You know, I just am. See, at the age of 14, I thought this was just about the coolest idea ever. So my dad came in the kitchen where I was working on the design and he looked over my shoulder which when you're 14, working on anything, having your parents look over your shoulder is about the worst thing that can happen. And then he starts asking questions. What's that? It's my skateboard design. It says, I am. An expression of uniqueness. My dad is not impressed. He says, some people will think that's blasphemy. I didn't even know what blasphemy was, but it sounded annoying, and I was already annoyed, and this annoyed me further. But I took the bait. What is, what is it? Why is that? He said, well, it's the name that Jesus used. And, and then he said some more, but I was done listening immediately. Because for me, church was the worst. The worst. Uncomfortable clothes, weird acting people, bad music, and they were really stingy with the donut holes. I might have known my awesome skateboard design was going to be wrecked by some church thing. Why couldn't my dad ever say anything useful? The Fresh Prince was right. Parents just don't understand. Now, if you're too young for the Fresh Prince, that was Will Smith's rap name. If you're too young for Will Smith, that is Jaden and Willow Smith's dad of I whip my hair back and forth. If you're too young for Jaden and Willow Smith, you know, just go back to your fruit snacks and it'll be fine. So fast forward several years from this day. Uh, I'm at 17 or 18 now and I'm, I'm reading the Bible. Um, originally, I didn't remember why I read the Bible, but as Marta read the whole passage, I remembered there's a quote from the passage she read that I think was used in the opening titles of John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. 
featuring Alice Cooper, which is a terrible horror movie and I do not recommend. But I wanted to see where this quote from John came from. So I'm reading this chapter from the Bible and and, and I want to see what the rest of it is. Sure, it's going to reveal some really cool occult secret. Uh, What I find is Jesus fighting with a group of his own countrymen. And the fighting, as you heard, becomes very vicious and intense. And he starts telling them they're not really sons of Abraham. That's their Old Testament father from the family tree uh, 2,200 years before Jesus. They start accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed for saying something so ridiculous. And then this happens. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. After all the insults, they were throwing back and forth at each other. This phrase, before Abraham was even born, I am, that's the one that triggers them? I am? And then I remember, yeah, I almost put that on my skateboard. And they want to kill Jesus for saying it. Why? Slowly my dad's voice begins to drift back from the past. Yeah, he knew something about this. He tried to tell me I didn't listen. Darn it. Now I'm going to have to go ask him. So I go into the living room and I say, Dad, I have a Bible question. What he must have thought. But he was very good at keeping a poker face and playing it cool in these moments. So I ask my question and he nods really approvingly as if I'm asking this really smart question. Question, I'm sure he has no idea that I just want to know because it was uh, in front of an Alice Cooper movie. But he, to answer my question, he turns back to Exodus chapter 3. So this is Old Testament Exodus. Uh, 1,200 years at least before Jesus, Moses is where he turns back to. So Moses is out in the wilderness. Moses sees a burning bush. He approaches the bush and the voice of God comes from it. I have heard my people cry out for rescue from slavery, and I am now going to rescue them. Go, Moses, tell them I am coming for them. And then this happens. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And then I have to skip down to verse 15. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. Jesus is saying he is the God from the burning bush, the God who is. Okay, I get it. I get why they went crazy and wanted to stone him to death in the first century if they didn't believe that. But there is even more to that name than that. In Hebrew, which is a language of the Old Testament, and in Greek, which is a language of the New Testament, this phrase he uses for God's name is very awkward. The grammar of it is actually quite strange. It doesn't exactly just say, I am. In fact, it says something so awkward that it's hard to translate. 
Here are just some of the translations for what this phrase could mean. I am who I am. I am who I was. I am who I shall be. I was who I was. I was who I shall be. I shall be who I am. I shall be who I shall be. Moses asks for the name of God and God gives him a theology, a way of thinking about God. Yet remember at the time of Moses, uh, the people are slaves in Egypt. They are surrounded by weird gods. There's uh, the cat lady, Bast. There's the jackal-headed Set. There's the falcon-faced Osiris. There's Ra, God of the sun. Which God is the one who's coming to save them, they're asking. And God's answer is, watch and see. What you're about to see me do, that's who I am. I am who I am becoming. I am the God who is, actually is. And you can't draw me on the wall of a pyramid. You can't paint me. You can't carve me out of stone. All you have of me is the stories of what I have done and what I'm about to do. And through those stories, you will know the real God of the universe. In the same way, Jesus is telling them, I can tell who you all are by what you're about to do. You're trying to kill me. But can you tell who I am? Watch what I'm about to do and you will see. So it's time for my skateboard's maiden voyage. I did not put I am on there in grip tape. I didn't even replace the grip tape after dropping 50 bucks on the board. I couldn't afford anything else for it. But I was who I was becoming. And this was going to be my first ollie into skaterhood. Wipeout. Huge. Huge wipeout. Bloody elbow. Smashed knee throbbing wrist, don't know what happened there, pronounced limp as I walk all the way home, carrying, not riding the skateboard. I was who I was becoming. I was not becoming a skater. I sold the board back to the kid who'd sold it to me and decided to begin a new adventure. In my new adventure, I would become, I wanted to be John Carpenter. I wanted to be the guy who directed horror movies. So how that adventure turned out is another sermon. For another time, but spoiler alert, I'm a preacher today. (laughs) So God came on that first Christmas to be God with us, Scripture says. I am who I am becoming, and he is becoming human. The only God in history who really knows what it's like to be mortal, even to the point of facing death. God who comes into poverty, a God who comes into a war-torn country, a God who comes into a world groaning under racism, under sexism, under sexual immorality. He is the God who shows up where he is needed. And he puts on this name, I am. And he says, now watch and see. Who is this man? Who is he becoming? He heals the sick. He meets poor sinners and eats dinner with them right out in public. 
but he also meets with rich sinners in the middle of the night who are too embarrassed to be seen with Jesus in front of their rich friends. He has time to tell them about the kingdom of God too. He is the God who will show up for anyone. And we keep watching as he's rejected, as he's scorned, as he's wrongly accused. We start to turn away when it gets ugly as he's spit on, blindfolded and beaten. We cover our ears as he's whipped and scourged for telling the truth. But even with our ears covered, we can't block out the sound of him crying out to heaven, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then up the hill to the cross he goes, limping, pain, throbbing, bleeding. He is who he is becoming. Watch and see who God is. He is the God who can take the worst that you and I have to offer and still forgive and still invite you to repent of all of that and turn and follow him. Which leads us to ask ourselves, who are we becoming? We are also who we are becoming. Are you the one who can accept this offer from God? Or the one who holds out and rejects this offer for whatever reason? C.S. Lewis uh, says that if Jesus claims to be the I am are true, uh, they are the most important thing in all the universe. And following him is the most important decision we'll ever make. If Jesus claims to be the Son of God are not true, then they are of no importance. No importance at all. He said the only thing Jesus cannot be is sort of important. Either his claims are true and it's infinitely important, or his claims are not true and it's completely unimportant and any more time spent on it is a waste of time. But it can't be just sort of important, a nice thing. So how do we respond to this offer? That becomes a part of who we are becoming. Here's the offer. If you reject him, if you torture him, if you kill him, he will plead for your forgiveness and give himself for you to make a way. And if you accept him as Lord and follow his ways, he will come into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and take you on an adventure that you never imagined. Out of a darkness you may or may not have even known you were in. Into a light you may or may not have even known was there. If you accept that, if you reject that, that now becomes a part of who you are. You've seen who God is. Now in this story, who are you? And so, Lord, you hear our hearts, you hear our prayers. You know everyone in the room, everyone who got up and everyone who stayed in their seat. The hopes and the dreams, the hurt and the pain. And we bring it before you, the great I am. And we anticipate, we anticipate the coming of the King. And the hope of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we all said, 
Amen. <clears throat> Watch and pray. Those who are longing await his appearing. Watch, wait, listen. Go in peace.